Well, get your Bibles out and go to Romans chapter 14, verse 10. My sermon tonight is called, It's a Choice. And I think you'll see this in a minute. Romans 14, 10. And um, somebody asked me, are you still doing your, your series? I guess what you could, everything's a doctrine. Amen. But I want to talk tonight about something that happened to me. It's, 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 it's something that I've been aware of now for the last several months. And, and I want to tell you where my sermons tonight came from. You pa- I've been pastoring 30 years. Um, I've seen a lot of people saved, delivered. I've seen a lot of people grow in God, and all of that's good. I mean, I've seen it, and I thank God for it. I've also seen people uh, come to church, sit, and later I, I meet them outside of church, and they're not living for God anymore. They have a philosophy or, or whatever. And, and it's, I've always been a little concerned about that. And I'll tell you what happens in me. I always, in retrospect, look at myself and say, what could I have done better? Because many of them went to church here. And I'm referring mainly to young, young people. Get that 17, 18 years of age, walk out of the church, and, and their lives are screwed up. You know, they got 10 kids, 10 different men, not married in the day, you know. So you have all these things happen, and you, and you begin to question, what, what happened to you? What happened to you? And I think, and I asked somebody this week, I said, what happened to one, two, three different people? And they, they, they told me that, well, you know, this happened and this happened. And that caused them to no longer walk with God. And I'm going to tell you, I don't agree with that. And I want to prove something to you uh, from the Word of God. Do you have a choice? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I think I was watching, Justin just went in and put um, Believer's Voice of Victory on my phone a while ago. Before I came out, I was watching Keith Moore for a few minutes. And he made the same statement I've made many, many, many times. The doctrine that God has everything in control is the, is the biggest heresy in, in the United States. Because, because what happens is nobody's taking personal responsibility. And I've seen it everywhere I go. It's kind of like circumstances are controlling me. I'm not in control. So let's find out if that's true. I want you to look at Romans 14 and verse 10. And I want to make a statement to you. This is a scripture that guides my life. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. The two biggest days of your life in the history of forever is the day you're saved and the day you will stand before Jesus. That day has not come. When you live like that, it changes the way you think and live. You stop making excuses for bad behavior. Um, I say this because when I first started pastoring, there were people that came to me and said, how do we know you will be honest? I said, well, I'm going to tell you a secret. You can't, you can't make me honest. I could steal from this church and you wouldn't know it. I'm pretty smart. God would. 
If, if my conscience doesn't guide me, we're in trouble. And I, I said that because you, you can't put enough systems in a church or a business to keep people from being doing wrong. You, you can't do that. They either, and, I, and so I asked them, I said, why do you go to church if you think I'm crooked? You, I mean, if I knew, you, if I thought my pastor was crooked, I'd leave. And I said, first of all, I'm just going to tell you, I'm scared of God. You don't bother me. But he knows. And so that's, that's a driving force in me. It changes the way I think, and it will you too. Now, I'm going to tell you another story right now before I get going. When I was a kid, I always, my, my teachers always wrote on my report card, Daryl has more potential than he's using. How many of you teachers have written that on somebody's report card? And I, I did. I, I'm, I'm very smart. I can sit in class and listen to you and take tests. Now, I didn't say I aced it. I didn't care if I aced it. I just wanted to get out of school. So, and now I look back and go, you know, I could have done more. But yet, you know, and I realized that I, the day that the test was coming, I would always get a stomach ache. Why? I'm not ready. I'm blowing off. I'm, I'm just goofing off. So I'd cram the night before. And I realized people live their life like this. There is a day coming, and I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to see this. This is not my sermon. I'm just going to uh, read this, and then we're going to get into my sermon. But look, look at this scripture. Um, verse 10, why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Ever it is written, I, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess to God for each will give an account of himself to God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10 if you would like to. You don't have to go over there. You can look on the screen if you want to. This is the other one in the Bible on the judgment seat of Christ. 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in your body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I think a lot of people would make a different decisions if they thought more about this. Are y'all with me? I want you to start thinking in the way you live because it is impossible for a mother or a father or a pastor to control people. The government can't do it. You can't control people. They're going to do what they want to. But I want you to understand that they're not getting away with it. It's not like, well, I'm saved. And that's the mantra. I'm saved. Really? You're a third saved. What about the other two-thirds? Something has to be in you that says, I'm going to live for God. There has to be a reason. If there's no payday. Now, now let's just say it this way. Listen to me. When I laid block... I didn't lay block because I love laying block. I, I laid block because I like money. And I needed money to buy groceries and pay a car payment, right? If there's no payday, I'm not coming out. Right? You think I'm going to stand here and, and pastor this church if there's no payday? 
I'm not talking about paycheck. I'm talking about in, when I meet Jesus. If I wasn't, listen, I'm not, I don't like Florida. I'm a missionary down here. Y'all are a bunch of natives. I'm from the woods. I mean, I'm from where the leaves change. And, but there's a certain part of me that goes, what do you want me to do? And where, how do you want me to do it? Because there's coming a day I've got to give an account of my life. What I, what I did with my money, how I treated my wife. I was, I was, I was um, talking to a bunch of bow hunters one day. And they were talking about ethics. And they all don't believe in God. And I looked at them and I said, you know, that's stupid. They said, what do you mean? I said, if there's no God, who gives a rip whether I keep the law? I said, I'll just kill you. Leave, let you die in the woods. Who gives a rip? I said, don't tell me you don't believe in God. You better believe you believe in God. You're talking ethics? Who, who decided ethics? And at that time, Barack Obama was president. I said, Barack Obama decided ethics? That's why I'm keeping the law. I mean, they're all sitting around a campfire and they're, I'm looking at them like, you guys are crazy. I'm going to go out here and do anything I want to do because there's no judgment. There's no ramifications of what I do, but there is ramification of what we do. We're living like there is not. And I think it's time that we went back and started realizing we, we need to make right choices, but why, why in the world would you want to make a right choice? I mean, why did you brush your teeth? So your teeth didn't fall out of your head. You know, I mean, if you had any sense, why did you study in school? So you wouldn't be dumb. You get a job, make some money. There has to be a payday. There has to be a reward. So the Bama Seed of Christ, you said both good and bad. And I think that all of us in this church, you, you, need, you need to think seriously about what you're doing, how you live. Because when I start preaching on this, you need to change that and change that. The question is, why? Why should I even grow? You, because, because we're going to get in a second. I'm going to show you something. There's a lot of people that think, I can't. Yes, you can. Amen. Yeah, you can. All right, now let's go over here and I'm going to show you something. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30. And I'll begin my sermon. Can you change? Yes. yes. Now, the, the prophet of the world is Doris Day. Doris Day is the prophet of the world. What will be, will be. The future is not mine to see. Whatever. Now, that was popular when I was a kid. Now, some of y'all don't. All of you older people, you have to go rah, rah, rah. Because these younger people sitting there looking at me like, who is Doris Day? Now, let's, let's read Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. This commandment, which I command you today. It is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven, so you have to go. Who's going to go up there and get it and bring it? And that we can hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you would say, who's going to go over the sea and bring it back? So we can hear it and do it. But the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Now, we, we realize he just, that's, that's quoted again in Romans 10, 9 and 10. See, look at this verse, I've set before you life and good, death and evil. I set it before you. Let me finish reading now. In the command you today to love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, 
his judgments, that you'll live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you go to possess it. And if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods, I announce to you today, you shall perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Choose what? Can you? Can you? All right. I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to, uh, um, we're going to get into a little psychology for a minute. When, when you go to school and you pay a lot of money for them to teach you psychology, they teach you a thing called environmental determinisms. And what that means is that if you grow up in North Georgia, there's a high likelihood that you'll chew tobacco and drive a pickup truck. Your environment is determining what you do with your life. If you grow up in California, you'll be a left surfer. If you go up in Washington, you'll lose your mind. But, it, but So in other words, there, there's, a, there's a philosophy that says your environment is what is controlling you. Well, for many people it is, but does it have to? No. No. So there's a, uh, there was a, and I don't, I don't have time to get into this, but John Calvin preached the sovereignty of God in a way that God even chooses who gets saved. You can't even get saved without it being God's will. That's called extreme Calvinism. Now, J- Charles Finney debunked it, and, and the Baptist stopped preaching extreme Calvinism and they, they realized that God's not, um, uh, what's the word? Um, he doesn't want you to perish, but have everybody could have eternal life. So they gave up the extreme Calvinism and just believed Calvinism. And they took that same philosophy for healing and everything else. So everything else other than the new birth is up to God. That, and, and listen to me, every, almost every denomination on this earth today preaches that every Sunday morning. What I'm preaching, I'm, I am plowing that field sideways, yes. and 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 I've got I've got good uh, support now. Um, uh, Andrew Womack, Keith Moore, Copeland Hagen, these guys have been plowing this field up because it's wrong. Yes. God's not running everything, but but what what what's what's the what's the issue here? Because people, whenever I'm preaching or we're talking about the word, people will always bring up, but you don't know what I'm going through. Now, with all the kindness, you're right, I don't. And I'm not making light of it. But you still have a choice. Your circumstances are not the final determining factor in your life, you are. Amen. Now, this, th- this is a major deal with people because they will say, I feel. Granted, when you come home and find out your spouse is unfaithful, you do not feel like counting at all joy. You feel like killing somebody. So you don't go by your feelings. Some people do. 
So today, the average Christian in America, the, even in this church, are dominated by the way you feel. Did that sermon make you feel good? Because if it didn't, it wasn't God. I mean, I'm being serious. And yet, yet you don't realize, and I say this with all the grace, there's people you think are mature and they're not. They're baby Christians. And they're, run, they're, they're, they're motivated by their feelings, not by the word of God. And they're making choices based on the way they feel. That's very dangerous. Now, I said that because of this. In the last several months, I, well, it started, it started three or four months ago. And I'm not going to name the name because it doesn't matter. Started talking to a young man that doesn't live for God anymore, but went to this church, oh, 10 years ago. No longer living for God. Home is hell on earth. Marriage, well, it ended. Um, drinking, smoking, hell raising little young man. Well, the parents are bothered by it. The parents didn't do anything to help raise him because I was there when he was little guy. When he went to this church, he was about two and a half feet tall. Now he's grown, got kids. But the parents that said, well, we just didn't know. Whose choice was that? It was theirs. But they chose not to know. So there, there's this, we did our best. Well, your son's going to hell and doing your best wasn't good enough. Because you've never really sat back and said, I, 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 got, I better start making some choices here. I, I had better change what I'm doing. My kids are messed up. I remembered at that time I talked to the parents and they, they said, well, our kids are no better. They're, the, they're, they're better than yours. I said, well, I whip mine. and You don't whip yours. Whether your kids are better than mine or not is irrelevant. And they gave me all these excuses because, well, you don't know what it was like because my wife's former husband, he didn't treat the boy right. And, and, I, and all, all you ever get when you talk to people is excuses. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know what that was like. Okay. So now your life is screwed up because we don't know what it was like. Are y'all getting this? God told us, choose. Now I'm going to show you in a minute. I've been to hell and back. I didn't backslide. One more time. I mean, I could tell y'all stories that would curl your hair. I didn't backslide. I went through a divorce. I didn't fall away from God. And stopped going to church. I've been kicked. Tom Copeland, when me and Lisa got married, she told you that. Oh, he kicked us out. I didn't backslide. My faith's not in Tom. He's on our board now. He came back and said, please forgive me. I said, well, you're forgiven. But you know, I didn't, I told you that because Lisa got into that the other day. Everything I have ever attempted to do for God, I've had, I've had a lot of opposition. I mean, people, devils. Well, what did I do about it? Well, I, I had already made a choice. 
I'm trying to get it. See, you, you and I need to understand, if you, if you don't like where you are right now, you might want to make some choices and quit letting, quit, in other words, don't come to me and say, well, did you read your Bible today? Well, yeah, but I woke up late. Buy another alarm clock and get up early. Well, I've been working hard. Well, why don't you make a decision? A man one time, and Andrew Walmack was talking about this guy, came and said, I know the Lord's telling me to go to Bible school, but I got so many bills. And he said, son, if God said go to Bible school, sell your house, sell everything and go to Bible school and quit running, your, quit whining, quit making excuses. I got so many bills, I can't go to Bible school. Well, eliminate all your debt. Buy an RV and go to school, whatever. In other words, are y'all getting this? Make a decision, whatever, you, whatever decision you've got to make, make it. Quit, quit, quit saying the circumstances are controlling me. No, they are not. They might be, but, but you, you have a choice over that. And we've had an idea because of that it's okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Cause, because I can, I can stand right here right now and name names of kids that are on drugs, pregnant, aborted babies, and they used to go to this church. And I'm going to tell you whose fault it is. Theirs and their parents. Are you all out there? Because we've never looked at people and said, really, it's, it is your total responsibility to make sure your kids are raised right. Well, my kids don't want to read the Bible. Don't ask them. Ask my kids if they want to go to church. Have you lost your mind? There's only one adult in my house. There's only one parent in my house, and it's me. And we cook a meal, and we don't cook three. We cook one. And Justin's the one that wouldn't eat peas. You know what he had for breakfast? Peas. He went to sleep. He went to sleep one night and it says, you ain't get up on the table, you eat the peas. He fell asleep in the peas. We picked him up and put him in the bed, put the peas in the refrigerator and for breakfast, he had peas. Not changing the diet for you. You're going to eat what we put in front of you. And we didn't ask you your permission. That's called train a child in the way it should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. That, you know, it, there's a, you know be, a, be an adult. Somebody in the house be an adult. Somebody take charge. That's why you've got 18 years to teach them to mind, because if not, then their spouse has got a really rough job. Some of y'all were married, and you're like, yeah, baby, I married one that their parents didn't do, and, and, and they're gone, because they never learned self-control don't shout me down our kids found out what a paddle was real early someone said well that's cute rebellion is not cute you tell me no at two <laughs> you'll pick yourself up off the floor and sit back down and eat when I get through and I'll tell you I love you and we'll pray for you but you won't do it again I'll tell you a story I got all kinds of stories. I'm going to get in a word here in a minute. Nancy, my sister, had a, a, a little girl named Chastity by a former husband. 
uh, Nancy's had, let's see, it was Randy, and then there was Stoney, and then there was, I don't know about that guy, I don't think she wasn't married to him, and then there was Mark. And you know, it's like the woman at the well, you just, okay. So Chastity, Nancy couldn't get Chastity to do anything, she said. So Chastity came over one day, and Ashley and her got in a fight, so Chastity picked up a baseball bat, a little one, and she whopped Ashley with the bat. Well, I grabbed her up, and, she, and so Chastity threatened me. I will tell my mom. And so I set her down on the couch, and I said, I'm fixing to tear your hide up. And when your mother comes to get you, I'm going to whip her too. For not raising you right. Do you understand me? And I whipped her. I whipped her good. I didn't. I lifted a standard. You could hear it next door. I mean, I don't abuse. I'm not mad, but I mean, I, I applied firmly. Bam! I mean, real good. You ever pick up a bat again, I'll kill you. Okay. So. From that day forward, chastity always did exactly what I said from that day forward. So when, I, when Nancy came over, she, I said, she said, chastity, get your stuff. Chastity sassed her. I said, chastity, get your stuff. She said, yes, sir. When got it. And she goes, what'd you do? I said, I whipped her. I don't know how we got off on all this. Like you should be doing. Folks, you have children so that you can teach them to mind. That's your job. You're not their friend. You're their parent. And by the time they get older, they should have respect. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. They should honor their parents. There's no scripture in the Bible that says uh, 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 parents honor your children after they're grown and gone. Oh, boy. They're to honor you. Teach them that. Teach them right from wrong. And then when they get old, it says they won't depart from you. Say, yes, they did. Well, we didn't teach them very good. All right. So let's go. Environmental determinism. Uh, go to 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Now listen to this. In, most people believe that in order to have a better life, what they need is better circumstances. Tell that to Ben Carson. How's he doing? Pretty good. Did he have good circumstances? No. As a matter of fact, most of the people who finally make something out of themselves had terrible circumstances. It wasn't the, whether they had good or bad. So I don't believe in, um, what's this, white people have a white privilege. I didn't have it. Maybe all the other white folks did, but nobody ever gave me none. When, I, when my dad died, he gave me a watch. I left house. I stole the black frying pan. I did, I did do that. I knew that if I could get and make cornbread, I could live. 
So I took my shotgun and a, and a black frying pan and left the house. And I threw everything on the trunk of my car and just drove off one day. And, and I, so the whole point of that is somehow or another, someone, circumstances have caused some people to have a better life, but our circumstances won't let us have one. Now, you, don't, you think that's going on in just black, white community. That's going on in white people because when I'm talking to you, you'll look at me and tell me about your husband, your lack of, your wife, your job, you, you'll sit down and start going over all the things that are happening that are not good. But I'm going to tell you something. That, that, that is a factor, but it's not the factor. That's not why you're the way you are. You're the way you are because you've chosen to be where you are today. You made choices knowing right from wrong. When you went wrong, you knew it was wrong. Romans 1 said you did. Yeah, you did. You said, but they done me wrong. Let me tell you a little secret. Everybody in this room been done wrong. You know, the biggest shock of my life was when I started watching Christians that go to this church do me wrong and and think that it was God. I mean, it just blew me away. I I wasn't, they didn't give me a class on that at Rhema. They really did not. I, I asked Dr. Osborne, I said, I know you believe in love, but I said, I've met some mean Christians, mean people. You have too. Well, I, well I'm going to tell you, I quit, I quit many times. And of course, by Tuesday, I'm back right again. But in other words, I had a choice, didn't I? I could have left. My, my marriage to Lisa is not perfect. But we make choices. We've made a choice to obey God. And, and let me tell you something. It's not, it hadn't been easy. It's been a little bit more like um, Green Acres. <laughs> Country boy meets city girl. And it, I mean, there's been some differences. I mean, my mom's cornbread's fat and Lisa's cornbread is skinny. You can't slice it. There's no... It isn't a quarter inch thick. I'm thinking, what is this? What is this? That's cornbread. I need cornbread. <laughs> well, I've started eating her cornbread and stay married. But anyway, it's still pretty good. I like it. But you know, I'm being mild there. But, th- but don't think there hasn't been issues. And, and there has in you. I'm t- you. You have them too. But don't tell me that the circumstance you're in is making you the way you are. The circumstance is either making you or breaking you. All right, I'm going to read something I wrote down. I want you to listen to this. Um, Don't blame your circumstances. Adam did. What's wrong, Adam? It's the woman. Hey, woman, what happened? It's a snake. The choices you make make you. If you do not like where you are, change your focus, your thinking, and your mouth. Because you, you need to start making different choices in life. Now, I'm going to say something. I want you to hear this exactly. You can know God as, you can, you can know God as well as Paul or Apostle Paul or anybody if you want to. Your lukewarm condition is a choice. You've made it, and it's you. It's just you. Your ignorance of the Bible, I don't know it very well. That's a choice you made. 
That's hard for people to hear. And I didn't say that it was easy, but it's still a choice. Because in order, see, one of the things that Americans hate is pain. Anytime we see any kind of pain, we will go somewhere else. Well, maybe you might need to go through something in order to get to your desired result. And it might create some pain. You know, you wouldn't bounce from church to church if you start walking in love. And walking in love is going to create pain in your flesh. You're going to love people you don't like. You're going to hang around people you don't agree with. You're going to stay married to people, you know, you're you're going to do things because it's right. And it is going to cause you pain. If you're going to live for God, you're going to suffer in your flesh. If you're not suffering your flesh, you're not living for God. I said all that because I want you, because some of y'all are coming into church and thinking, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm going, it doesn't matter. Just, just. Make a right choice and hang in there. That's what the rest of us did. You know, I told Mary Fran this one time, and she, she told me that she was going to open up the truck and let me out on the highway. I said, I can't afford to lose Lisa. It's taken me too long to train her. Mary Fran said, pull the truck over and get out. I mean, she, her and Lisa ganged up and tried to kick me out on the 429. I love messing with her. She's just so much fun. But listen, after you've got all this investment in a spouse, my God, don't shit. You, you, you got time in this thing. Don't send them away. You, you finally got them right. Don't let them slip away. And vice versa. All right. Go. Go with me to Luke 8, and I'm going to quote a couple of scriptures to you. Are you all ready? Why does the, oh, 2 Chronicles 16, go there. I never did read that. I need to. Let me put it on the screen. I don't even want to find it. I want you all to see this right here. Look at this. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You're not looking for God. He's looking for you. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. The day you decide to seek him, you will find him. Are you listening? He's not lying to you. You say, well, I don't know him very well. Whose choice was that? Come on, that's hard, that's hard to hear. Because what we want to do is say, well, it's not my fault. And I'm telling you, yes, it is your fault. But I'm telling you that even though it's your fault, listen to me, change today. Your next year, you can walk out of here tonight and go, next year is going to be fabulous. I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to get healed. You can understand faith and healing and walk in both of them and get healed if you want to. If you want to, you can do it. I'm going to show you scripture and prove it to you. But you're going to have to quit blaming circumstances and I just don't like that and I just don't... just. Just, be, just shut up and slap yourself upside the head and do what's right. No, I didn't say it was easy. Come on, if it was easy, everybody would be doing this. It's not easy. Marriage is not easy. Thank you. Pastoring is not easy. 
to do it right. All right. Matthew 7, 7, seek and you shall what? Was he lying? Was he lying? No, he's not. If you didn't find it, you weren't looking. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you. When I got born again in Athens, Georgia, there was a Baptist church preaching against tongues, and everybody that spoke in tongues was of the devil. There was an Assembly of God church. No, not Assembly of God. There was no Assembly of God when I got saved. There was a church of God, and there was five factions, and they were fighting with each other. All of them were a bunch of, they just fight with each other. And God said, I don't want you to go to church in this town. I grew, and I didn't even have a church. How come? I wanted to. I'm just going to stand here for a little while and just look really soupy. I wanted to grow. I wanted to know. I got a Bible out and I've read, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added to you. And I believed it and I started seeking God. And things started happening. Finances changed. My health changed. Everything changed. And I just figured, well, he either lied or he didn't. And I just started doing it. That means there were some things that went by the wayside that my rock and roll music went in the dump. I quit watching TV. Not that it was a sin. But I can't have all of God and Clint. Eastwood, John Wayne. It was just certain things that I watched all the time. And I turned it off and picked up a Bible. But it was a choice. I made, I made a choice. And today, I'm very smart. Because I made a choice to be smart. And by this time next year, I'll be way, I'll be way smarter than I am now. And I'm not going to die early. I'm going to live to be old. I'm going to live healthy all of my life. You know why? I'm not waiting on God. I'm not waiting on God. He shouldn't have told me to seek if he's not going to do it. So, so that was a choice I made. Now, boy, I wish I could tell you some stories. And, and I, th- I might in a minute. Go to Luke 8. I might. Oh, sometimes I, 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 I... I'm just going to try to tell you this. It has been hard to walk with God. I, I, I didn't want Florida. Don't like Florida. Didn't want to be divorced. Didn't want a pastor. Um, I'm going to tell you a story anyway. It's just, just uh, I don't want to. If, if If I'm of no value, why is Satan fighting so hard against me? If you are of no value, why does he fight you so hard? I mean, he tells you you're nothing, and then he spends all day trying to take you out. Apparently, you're a bigger threat than you think you are. But But the circumstances are not stopping you. They're sent to try to stop you. And that's what's happening to a lot of young people because they come along and tell me, well, I couldn't find a girlfriend in church and so I just married. No, you didn't have to do that. You, you, you could have had faith and you could have believed God and you could have, yes, you could have. Yes, you could have. 
Well, I didn't understand the Bible. You could have. You chose not to. You chose to go the easy way to avoid pain and now your life's a mess and now you're just hoping everything will work out again. It's not going to. All right. Go to Luke 8 and I'm going to get back and tell you this story in just a minute. I, I, I'm resident. I don't know. Luke 8, verse, verse 9. His disciples asked him, he said, what does a parable mean? He's talking about the parable of soil. The sower went out so. He said, do you have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God? Did you hear what I read? To you, God wants you to know and understand it all. That's amazing. Because you would think, well, he's, well, you know, there's just some of us that he just didn't bless us. No, there's some of y'all that have not sought him with all your heart. You seek him with all your heart, you're going to find it. He's going to show it to you. He said, I gave you the Holy Ghost and he'll lead you into all truth. You can know it if you want to know it. When I was in Tulsa, um, I'm about to move here. I didn't know where I was going to move to. And I started going into an apartment every day to pray during my lunch alone. Nobody's in the apartment. And uh, nobody knows where I am. I go off praying the Holy Ghost. Thought that was quite innocent. I get a phone call one day and my former boss, Rita McKim, says, we want to take you to lunch. I said, Rita, I, I, I don't have time. Thank you. She goes, no, I'm serious. I wanted, we want to, me and Mark Dybert and, and the maid, Kathy, and all of us here at Raven's Roost, we used to work, we want to take you to lunch. And, and I just, I told her no. And I got home and people kept looking at me going, you should do that, you should do that, you should do that, you should do that. Like a broken record. I finally called, and I, and, I, and I looked at my watch, and I said, Rita, all right, listen. I'll leave here at, Raven, I'll, I'll leave here at the station at 11, 15, 11 o'clock, and I'll meet you at 1130, and we'll go out to eat, but I got to get back. I, I, I can't be wasting my day. She said, okay. She lied. I got there. Kathy was there, the... the um, the girl, that, the girl that cleans the apartments, and we talked, and then Rita came in. And they took me to a very nice restaurant. And the waiter was deathly slow. <laughs> I've never seen anybody move so slow. Remind me of Prell, the, the pearl in Prell Concentrate. It took forever to get through, you know. <laughs> Have y'all lost our order? I mean, I got back that afternoon at 3 o'clock. I'm going four hours for lunch. I can't believe y'all. I mean, y'all have wasted my money, my day. You've messed me up. Next day, uh, uh, a detective showed up and uh, read me my Miranda rights. And I'm laughing. I'm going, excuse me? He said, well, there's a girl that was raped in the apartments and whoever raped her has a key. And he had a mask on, but she says it was you. I said, you're joking. He says, we're serious. You're going to jail. Now, I'm fixing to move here. He said, can you validate where you were? I went. And Rita McKim's husband was the 
um, the, her, the president of the Chamber of Commerce in Tulsa. She's a well-known woman. I says, I was with Rita McKim. He says, can you prove it? I said, here's the phone. God had my back. I told Lisa the other day when I was stuck in traffic up in Tennessee, I said, whenever you get stuck in traffic, maybe God's keeping you from getting killed. Just sit here and enjoy your life. And so the man got up and walked out, and I never saw him again. There's a God. And boy, he took care of me. But here's what I learned. Why are you, why are you, why are, Satan, why are you after me? Then I went through a divorce, and I'm not going to get into that. That was not good. Melanie remembers I was at Tom's church and uh, trying to put my marriage back together. And I mean, when, when the church kicks you out, and that's devastating. That's my best friend. I just got kicked out of my own church because I'm divorced. And you think, I said all that because of this. I want you to stop thinking that somehow or another you got circumstances beyond everyone else's. No, you don't. Those are two little ones. I could do this until the sun came up on the stuff we've been through and stuff I've personally been through from hell. All of them bad circumstances. What did I do about it? Nothing. I show up and preach. I get a sermon. When I don't know what to do, I just get a sermon. That's what he told me to do. Just get a sermon. I'm not that smart. You just show up on Sunday and go open your Bibles. And you don't know what we went through all week, but it was worse than you. I guarantee you that. Well, we couldn't come to church. We had a cold. Yeah, well, that's all right. I had pneumonia and I was here preaching. All right, listen, listen. I said all of that, and I'm going to read another scripture to you in a minute. Stop blaming something for not doing what he said. Stop it. Make a decision. I'm going to spend my life obeying God, and when I die, I'm going to stand before Jesus, and I'm going to give an account of my life. That's my goal in life. That's what I live for. I'm not going to steal your money. I'm not going to mess with your daughters or your wives. I have a hard enough time with one. I don't, I'm not a Mormon. I don't need another one. One's enough. One's more than enough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, y'all are awfully quiet. The parable is this, verse 11, the seed is the word of God. Those who are by the wayside are those who hear. And the devil came, took the word out of their heart, and they should believe and be saved. And the one on the rock was those who heard and received the word with joy, and they have no root. If you're from up north of the Mason-Dixon line, it's root. Who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, you fall away. And now those ones who fell among thorns are those who, when they hear it, the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life are choking the word of God out of you right now. They're just choking it to death. And you bring no fruit to maturity. That's why you're a baby Christian still after 20 years. And the ones of you that fell on the good ground are those who heard the word, but they have a good heart. What's the issue? It's the heart. It, the circumstances have nothing to do with it. The devil didn't stop him. The circumstances didn't stop him. The person who said, I'm going to keep my heart right, they produce fruit. 
And they have, see, the things that happened, they happen to everybody. Whatever you're going through right now, let me tell you a little secret. There's a hundred thousand people around you going through the same thing. I've had times when I woke up at four in the morning in a cold sweat with fear dripping off of me. You're going under. You're losing it all. And I have to quote the word like you. And I didn't believe a thing I was saying. I prayed in tongues and didn't feel like doing it. But I was awake and I couldn't sleep. And I wasn't doing it because I was spiritual. The truth is I was scared out of my mind. But I just prayed in tongues. Why? Well, I didn't have anything else to do. Did God get you out? Yes. Did it work? Yes. Was I amazed? Yes. Have y'all ever been through anything like this? Or am I the only one in here that ever went through anything in life? Well, if, if the devil's, the, the, the proof that you're doing good, you probably have any problems right now. That's just good preaching, guys. You quit, you quit, quit thinking that, that everything's got to be perfect so you can have a better life. It, the circumstances do not have to change. Thank, thank, I would love if they did, and if they do not, I'm still going to do the right thing. Yes. All right, now I'm going to read another one to you. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The people have butchered this scripture up, but let's just unbutcher it for a little while. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Boy, you would think that if anybody ever had it together, it'd be Paul. You know where I'm going. And he didn't. Well, he did. But 11.22. Are they Hebrews? Are they Israelites? So am I. Seed of Abraham? Me too. Ministers of Christ? I speak like a fool. I'm more. In labor's more abundant. In stripes above measure. When's the last time somebody beat you for being a Christian? In prison frequently. In deaths often. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Don't look at me and tell me you've had a bad day. Did it stop him? No. No. No, Now look at, you need to look at your circumstance right now and go, shut up, you're not stopping me. I'm moving on. I'm pressing forward. I'm making a choice. I'm going to do it. Hell or high water, do you understand me? I'm going through. Listen, and you quote the word to it, and when your brain tells you it ain't going to work, just quote it anyway. You know how you get stronger faith? Use it. You have to have problems in order to use it. I am kinder today than I was 20 years ago. Am that right, Betty? Am I kinder? Can I tell you how it happened? Diamonds cut diamonds. You guys have cut me up. (laughs) Staying in this church grew me. It'll grow you too. Sticking. Come on, y'all. I'm doing pretty good. And I mean, has it been tough? Oh, yeah. I called Mary friend one time. I said, I quit. She said, you big crybaby, shut up. And she just reamed me out. 
Y'all never knew that. You just don't tell these things when they're happening. You can tell later. They're funny later, but they're not funny when I quit. I'm packing up. I'm leaving. I ain't never coming back. <laughs> she called me a big fat baby. <laughs> Told me to shut up. Get in there and obey God. I don't want to hear it. And hung up on me. No compassion whatsoever. <laughs> on my circumstance. Are you all okay? Look at this. Verse 26. In journeys often perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness. And let me tell you all something. When I first got AFib, I had, I had told the people in Russia I was coming. Lisa did not know what I did until I got home. I took Jordan to bring my body back. They told me, if you go, you're going to die. You know that when you get what I had, you have a year to live. You know what I did? When preached. I'm going to sit around and whine. So I figured on dying in Russia, just I'm going to die in the will of God. I was so tired, I slept all day, preached. Preached in the morning, slept all day. Preached at night, slept all night. I did that for two weeks in Russia, traveling all through Siberia. I was sick as hell. It's truth. And then I didn't need Jordan. He got sick. I had to bring him home. And they lock you up in a hospital in Russia. You got to go get them out. They don't mind taking you, but they don't want to turn loose of you. All right, I'm telling that all of you because you, you, you kind of have this idea that this has been a rose garden. It has been anything but a rose garden. I mean, Mary Fran prophesied Satan's going to try to kill me, and I didn't take her serious. He has tried several times to just flat out kill me. Uh, and if y'all ever had any trouble, am I in the wrong church? I'm in the wrong place. I think I'm in the wrong building. This is a sermon for someone else. You ever had anybody lie about you? You know what I do? Nothing. I can't say anything. That's tough. It is, yes. Perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils by the sea, perils among false brethren. Come on, y'all. This is good. Um, who is weak and I'm not weak? Who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The word there in the Greek is weakness. The God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, is blessed forever knows that I'm not lying. Okay. He goes down some more problems. Chapter 12, verse 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations. Of the, I know a man in Christ who was 14 years ago, whether in the body I don't know or out of the body I don't know, was caught up to the third heaven, went to paradise. I know such a man, whether in the body, talking about himself, I don't know. Verse 4. And he was caught to paradise, heard unexpre- inexpressible words which are not lawful for a man to utter. To such a one I'll boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my weaknesses. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. I will speak the truth, but I'll refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me or hears from me. Verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. This is not eye disease. What was given to him? A a messenger from hell. Who gave it to him? The devil did. God didn't give it to him. So let's paint a picture here because i got enough time. I'm going to show you something. Why 
did Satan come after Paul because of the revelation God gave him? Now, let me tell you something. Lisa alluded to this Sunday morning. You are carrying ammo. You're a salmon. You've got seed in you. Your troubles may not be you. That might be the devil just deciding he's going to stop you. And I'm trying to tell you, don't do it. You know what I'm going through. Shut up, and I don't want to hear about it. But let me tell you something. You knuckle down now. You're carrying seed. There, I went to heaven, and God gave me a revelation of who I am in Christ and what belongs to me in faith, and I carry this around. And Satan does not like me. Now, I'm going to tell you, people say this. I mean, outside of this church and in this church, they say it to me all the time. Here comes trouble. And I said, yes, Satan, I heard you. That's the devil talking out of your mouth. Because why would a normal person look at someone they don't know and call them trouble? Who's talking? The devil. I tell people that Satan told me the same thing this morning when I woke up. You're trouble. I said, you're right, Satan. I am trouble. I don't care that that person that I'm talking to, you shouldn't have yielded to him. You, and people think it's cute. It's not cute. I'm carrying the word of God around. I'm trouble to hell. Hell thinks I'm a mess. They hate me. And he don't like you either. And that's good. All right, now let's read this because I want you, we're going we're gonna to me- mess up some, some doctrines here. Lest I should be exalted above measure. God wanted him exalted. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he exalts you. God's not trying to keep Paul humble. It's not Paul. It's not God doing this. And that's what you're taught in denomination churches. God is keeping him. He sent the devil. The, the God doesn't send the devil to do anything. He's not his whipping boy. To beat up on Paul because of a revelation God gave him. How stupid. Don't go in the assemblies of God and tell them I said that because that's their main doctrine. They, 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 they're crazy. <laughs> of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pled with the Lord three times that it depart from me. What's he asking? I want the trouble to stop. Yes. Have you ever asked the trouble to stop? He's going to tell you the same thing. No. I'm not going to stop the devil. You t- I put the greater one in you. I put the anointing in you. I gave you the name of Jesus. You're greater. Shut up and get out there and whoop that devil. And don't come in here whining at me anymore. Amen. I don't want to go to this anymore. The reason I know that is I've prayed that. I don't like this job. Oh, shut up and go in there and go to work. I'm going to tell another story. We got time? Yeah, we got time. When I worked for Tom, I had a boy and girl in the youth group that had sex more than anybody I've ever met. Two homosexuals, two press pots, two dope smokers. You've never seen a more screwed up bunch of kids. They're crazy. 
And, and, and I went to the Lord because I'm, I'm, I'm teaching. And Tom's got me outside under an oak tree. And on Sunday morning, they picked up acorns while I'm preaching and start throwing them at me. And there's nothing in my Rhema manual about acorns coming out of your face while you're preaching. There's nothing in there. So I did the thing that any normal red-blooded American uh, would do. I kicked the boy out of his chair. I just walked over there and just flipped him upside down, told him if he did it again, I was going to whoop his tail. And then I went and repented because I had this thought newspaper, youth pastor beats up kid. And I've got these kids in my house. I'm trying to teach them the Bible. And they're not interested in God. Their parents are dropping them off and making me preach to them. And they're crazy. So one day, I went to God and I said, I need another assignment. I did. I did. I went to God. I said, this, they're crazy and, and, and I, need a, I, need a, I need people that are hungry for God. So one day I'm, I'm working in, at the apartment complex, and that was one of those apartment complexes where, the, where they didn't pave the parking lot. And so after a while, it's the, the gravel breaks loose, and it's just pea gravel everywhere. You know what I'm talking about. It's just, and I heard someone walking up to me, and just crunch, 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 crunch. And I've got a pad, and I'm looking at the next apartment I'm going to go fix. And I turned to my right to see who it was, and there was nobody there. And I turned to my left, and there was nobody there, and I went. Well, I heard somebody walking up, and all of a sudden someone grabbed me. And put me in their arms, and I went. Mm. And it was the Lord. Walked up and put his arm around me, pulled me up near me. He said, I sent you here because I have a problem. And I believe you have what it takes to fix it. You know why he sends you places? Because you're the answer. Quit running from your assignment because it's tough. And then he said, when you get this fixed, I've got something more difficult for you. That's you. You ask Betty and these guys what this church was like when I took, I don't know who was crazier, me or the church. And they were all crazy. And there is a God and I'm not him. He did good. Kenny remembers that far back. There was, Kenny had hair one time. Y'all know that? So did I. So he's never going to send you where there's, everywhere he's going to send you, there's going to be a problem because you have the goods. So the good news is every one of those kids got, got right with God. When I was sitting in my living room one day and every one of them were in my living room praying in tongues and the Holy Ghost came and said, you're done here. It's time for you to go. That was, man, was it tough. And then when I met (laughs) y'all, I wanted my youth group back so bad. Finally got them right with God. They were fun to be around and praying the Holy Ghost, love Jesus. All right, let me read this because I want to read this. Concerning this thing, I played with the Lord three times. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast in my weaknesses so the power of Christ would, would, would be upon me. He's not telling him, no, I'm not going to help you. He just said, I've already given you everything you need. Listen to me. You have everything you need. Make right choices now. 
If you have ungodly friends, get them out of your phone. Dummy. Quit going around them. Stop it. If you can't handle pornography, get your wife to put a block on it. Don't shut me down. You do what you need to do. You make some choices. You know what Paul Youngie Cho said? A million people. He said, I like women. So I take a, a servant with me everywhere I go to keep me out of adultery. Don't, I'll come over here and preach. I'm just, if you know you have a problem, don't pretend like you don't. You do whatever it needs. Just look at your spouse and say, you might want to make sure I'm not alone in a hotel off of, you know, by myself someplace. That would probably not be good. Take someone with you. Pay the way or don't go. It, whatever. Are y'all out there or did you go home? You, you've got to make some decisions. This is what it's going to take for me to get where I need to go. This is the, this is, I'm going to have to make choices right now. Decide on, well, on reading your Bible, like Justin said. Decide on praying in the Holy Ghost. If you don't, make yourself do it. Make yourself. Turn the, turn the dead burned country western station off and put Z88 on. You know good and well you're lukewarm. Cut it out. I'm preaching better, y'all. All of these people that I'm talking about, every one of them could have made right choices, and they did not. And their lives are upside down. And they're still blaming circumstances for where they are. And they're not ever going to get better. And then they're going to die and stand before God. And he's not going to listen to their excuses. Amen. You knew better than that. I told you. I sent you somebody to tell you and talk to you. And you told them, no, you didn't listen, did you? You were there that Sunday I had preacher preach that sermon. And you were sitting and listening to it. And you rejected it. You know you did. Woo, it's quiet in this Baptist church. I want to got one more scripture and we got three minutes. Go to John 16. Is this helping a little bit? I want everybody to look at me and say, my, 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 this year coming will be the best one of my life. And then I want you to say, you know why? Because I decided it's going to be. Yeah. John 16, verse 12. I got a lot of things to say to you, but you can't bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into how much truth? You can know it if you want to know it. Yeah, but I don't know how to get healed. You will know it when you want to know it. Yeah, but I don't hear the voice of God. You will when you want it. Come on, I'm, this is tough. This is a tough sermon. But, but until you hear it, you're, you're going to keep going the same way you're going, thinking everything's okay because it's just all out of your control. It's not out of your control. Paul went through all that. He still lived for God. I'm still living for God. Now, I didn't say I didn't have a bump in the road. I didn't say I didn't have a hiccup. I bumped a little bit. Boom, 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 like a speed bump. Yeah, I'm not proud of it. That's all right. I found out I wasn't God. 
<laughs> he will guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. He will even show you things to come. He'll glorify me. He'll take what's mine and show it to you if you want it. And if you don't get it, it's because you didn't want it to begin with. You're as close to God as you want to be. You're as victorious as you want to be. Everybody say, I think I got some changing to make. We all do. I think one of the biggest lies Satan will tell you is that after you've blown it, you can't come back. That's a lie. First John 1, 9, no. If it gives every iniquity, he heals every disease. There's another lie. When you're over 66, you're supposed to be aching. I ain't aching. Don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You're supposed to lose your hearing. Huh? No. Resist the devil. No. I ain't doing it. No, I ain't going down that road. No. I wish I believed this back when my hair started falling out. I thought that was natural. I think it's going to take twice my faith to get it to grow back now, but there's not losing any more right now in Jesus' name. We're going to stop all this. How am I doing, guys? How am I doing? Everybody doing good? Are y'all doing good? Say, I'm going to make some choices now. I'm not growing old gracefully. I'm just designing growing old. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin said that when he got older, he stopped, he couldn't remember anything anymore. And the devil said, well, that's what happens when you get old. And then the Holy Ghost said, you have the mind of Christ. And so Kenneth Hagin said, no, I'm not going to forget because I'm getting old. And he said, and my mind came back. Amen. Who's in charge of your mind? You are. Who's in charge of your health? You are. You're the one putting food in your mouth. Well, pastor, you just don't know my schedule. You're making it. I just don't have time. You're making the schedule. Who's making it for you? Oh, boy. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, and I want you to listen. It is real tough to wake up at 4 in the morning and go deer hunting and tell God you don't have time to read your Bible. I'll come over here and read. <laughs> Oh, God, I got to get my sleep. Well, that's not what you said last week. You can wake up and go deer hunting. You can wake up and read your Bible. Come on, come on guys. I want you, I want everybody in this room to do this. You start making right choices. Make the choices you need and stick with them. I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. I'm just talking about you. You know the things God's saying. Just say, I'm fixing to make some choices. 
I've gotten to where every day I spend a certain amount of time praying the Holy Ghost, whether I feel like it or not. I've made choices to do certain things that I've stumbled over for years. Just made a decision. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Come on, y'all. It's time to grow. It's time to quit. Quit it. Are y'all ready to pray? Father God, I want to thank you for this evening. What, a, what an honor to sit in a church and listen to the word of God preached. And you said in Deuteronomy, make a choice. Choose life. I pray everybody in the sound of my voice right now would choose life. Choosing the prayer life, choosing to draw near to God, choosing to seek first the kingdom, choosing to walk in the spirit, not the flesh. Because it's our choice, it's up to us. Nobody making it for us. And the next time we get out of the will of God, we will not blame, like Adam did, his wife, and blame the snake and blame the devil for our life. It's not true. The people that have done us wrong, they're not to blame. We're the ones. We can forgive. He wouldn't have told us to do it if we couldn't. We can do it. Everything he told us we, we can do, we can do. We can do everything you said we can do. And Father, I pray that tonight we'd walk out of here and go, you know what? I'm going to have a better life. I'm going to have a good year this year. I'm going to walk in the Spirit and we'll grow in God. We get my prayers answered, all of my prayers. I'm going to walk in health. I'm going to walk in joy unspeakable. I'm going to walk in it. I'll have it. And I choose to. Right now, I just want to spend a few minutes just, just seeking God and let Him know that just let him know I'm about to make some adjustments. Father, we've got a new year coming up, holidays. It's always a good time to go, you know what? Let's, let's go out with a bang. Let's, let's stop making, let's stop, let's stop being lazy. Let's stop being lukewarm. Let's get back up again. And Papa God, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's good news is you're here. And you've made it this far. And some of you, it has not been easy. You're to be commended. You failed. You got up. Failed again. You got up. You're to be commended for that. Don't quit now. Don't quit. Amen. God bless every one of you. I want you to have a great Thanksgiving and uh, holidays and amen. I'll see you Sunday morning. Glory to God. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.